Well, in our new series, Startup, we're going to look at how companies start each week, different types of companies. We're going to look at how different businesses started, but also we're going to look at how Jesus started. And marketing, as we know, is a huge part of business. It's a huge part of promotion. And Jesus was going to start this new movement that's lasted over 2,000 years. And he decided, how do I put the values in place to market this thing? And the marketing he did was pretty amazing. And not what you think. Christianity was not marketed as religious or pious. It wasn't about buildings. It wasn't about ritual. It wasn't even about commandments primarily. Jesus said, the marketing of my new movement will be about people who love each other in new and incredible ways. They will learn how to love their enemies. And more than that, they will care for everybody around them. And in a Greco-Roman world where the historian Julius tells us, that no one gave anything to anyone ever, this new movement was marketed by being other-centered in a way the world had never seen before. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundant. What he wanted people to experience was more than success, more than nice, more than my life's fine. He wanted people to have what he called the abundant life. This next song gives words to that. Don't you and your life want more than just how you doing? Fine. I know I do. But I love the lyric on that. The, the less I seek the source of real meaning, real purpose, real hope, the more I'm just closer to fine. That's really what our church has been about for 20 plus years. How do we help you engage in your next step? Whatever that is, we are yours to explore. And I remember it was 15 years ago, almost within a couple of months, that I had this goatee. I grew it for the drama last week, but I'm trying to figure out how to kiss my wife again with this thing, I tell you. But I grew it 15 years ago because I was 30, but I looked 20. I wanted to prove that I wasn't actually an adult when they hired me here at the church. And I'd heard, first heard about Horizon. I was living down in Atlanta. My in-laws had just moved to Batavia, so I asked them to check out this church called Horizon, and I gave them the address, blah, 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 Dragon Way. Well, Dragon Way is in Fairfax next to the Nestle factory. So they showed up there on a Sunday morning to an office building and could not figure out how in the world services could be happening. Turns out that's where our offices used to be, right across from the skyline there. So the next week, they found the real church in Cincinnati Country Day School. They called back. They said, this church is really engaging Bible, relevant environments. You need to check it out. About a month later, my wife flew up here to Batavia to be with her in-laws, or my in-laws. And while she was there, I said, check out the church. She goes to church that Sunday. I call her that afternoon. How is church? And she says, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. We're supposed to come here. What happened? Now, first you need to understand that one day my wife's going to leave me, and I'm going to be divorced, and I'm going to tell you a sad story. But it's going to be okay, because my wife and I agreed that if she can ever marry Superman, she's free. She has loved Superman from the early movies to every iteration. We first got married, we watched Adventures of Lois and Clark, and about 15 years ago, she was hooked on Smallville. Well, that day, at the end of the message, the pastor turned and said, I'd like you to hear the story of a friend of mine, and John Schneider, Bo Duke... Or Tom Wellington's dad, the father of Superman from Smallville, got up that day to speak. 
And what he shared that day was his faith story of being a follower in Jesus. My wife said, Jesus' dad was at church today. Not Jesus, sorry. Superman's dad was at church today. It's a sign we're supposed to come here. So I flew up that week, talked with leaders in the church, and I said, why another church in Cincinnati? They said, we started our church for two reasons. One, we in our own life learned the Bible best by being in a verse-by-verse Bible study where we go through the Bible line by line and with deep worship and prayer. So we want to start what's called an equipping service where we really engage deeply in the Bible. And we don't see any churches in Cincinnati who are really committed to compelling verse-by-verse Bible teaching. And I said, well, that's how I grew in my spiritual life as well. They said, secondly, we don't see that there's any churches that are really creating environments that you can invite friends to to hear music they recognize, uh, songs they might hear on the radio that bring up spiritual themes, and then has challenging Bible teaching, but it's communicated in a way that's really yours to explore. So we have a two-service design that we want to do. And I was so intrigued by this. And we're going to give the best time slot, 10 o'clock, to our guest service. And we're going to move our family service, the equipping service, to a less desirable slot, 8.50 or, or now on our Saturday service as well. And so my wife and I said, we want to be part of this. And so we moved our whole family up here. We felt like God was challenging us to something new, to engage in something new, and to really be part of what Jesus has marked from the beginning, an other-centered, guest-centered approach to doing the work of, of God. And I think in your life as well, when's the last time God challenged you, life challenged you, you challenged yourself to step into a new horizon? Because if we're not exploring new horizons there might be a cloud on the horizon. Right? We're designed to grow. We're designed to challenge. Are you exploring new horizons as a parent, bettering your parenting skills, your grandparenting skills? Are you challenging yourself in your spousing? Or are you the same spouse you were two years ago or five years ago? Are you challenging yourself to be a better listener? I have a friend who will often say to me, Chad, do you have a fresh word? Like, well, I got a lot of stale words from some I tried five years ago or three years ago. Do you have anything fresh that you're working on? Or are you coasting in your career? Coasting in your marriage? Coasting in your sense of what really matters of spiritual quests? I have another friend who says, Chad, if you're coasting, you're always headed downhill. So Jesus is going to begin a startup, and he's going to go and recruit, and he's going to market himself as somebody who's offering life. And a guy named Simon today is going to be marketed or invited to explore three new horizons in his life, to learn what a other-centered, people-driven life would really look like. The first horizon he introduces uh, Peter to is the idea that Jesus comes primarily to encourage people not to be religious, not to be pious, certainly not to be self-righteous, but to explore a relationship with God. He comes to Peter. Lots of people have gathered around. They're very interested in Jesus' teaching. So much so the crowd has pressed him up against the lake. He's got to step into a boat. He's got several choices of boats. He steps into Simon's boat. And there's actually been archaeological evidence in that area of the country to find boats that date to Jesus' time. Archaeologists call this Jesus' boat because it's dated to that area of the Sea of Galilee to that time in history. And one of the reasons I'll often bring up archaeological evidence is because many of us, we have the idea that the Bible goes in the same category as Aesop's fables. 
good stuff to learn, but didn't necessarily happen. And if, if that's where you're at, that's fine. But I want to try and encourage you. We've come to the conclusion the Bible is a book of history. And I want to try and show you some evidence of why this is real history. Because if it's real history, then what God did with real people in history gives evidence that he might do something real in your life, in your story now. He steps into this boat with Peter. And now Peter is very, very successful. I think many of us also, not knowing the story of the Bible, we didn't know Luke was a doctor maybe till last week. And we certainly didn't know that Peter was an extremely wealthy, extremely successful fisherman. And Jesus doesn't come to synagogue. He doesn't come to temple. He goes into people's lives, in the real business life. Archaeologists have also found Peter's house. It's right on the Sea of Galilee, and it's monstrous. It's a huge house here on the right, as they've uncovered it. And the spaceship on top, I'll talk about that in a second. That's actually a church building. Peter's house was so large, right on lakefront property, that this became central command for Peter and his disciples. All 12 of them stayed there as they were praying for people, blessing people, encouraging people. And even to this day, a church built right on top of Peter's house to say, we're going to continue the legacy of inviting people into a journey with God. Inviting people and being guest-centered in our approach to this movement that turned the world upside down for 2,000 years. The picture on the left, you'll see a synagogue just below the spaceship, one of the largest universities in the world in that part of the country at the time, one of the largest synagogues, which had a gigantic scroll room. I got a chance to visit it. More documentation, more books, more scrolls than any place in the countryside. This is the Harvard of its day, where they trained the thinkers, the rabbis, the educators, This was like thinking central area. And so faith in church was to be something that engaged your mind, your heart, your will. And Peter turns to Jesus, who's just stepped into his boat to start teaching. And look what he says here. He says, Master, we've toiled all night. I'm a professional fisherman. I've tried all my techniques and all of my success. I could catch everything except what I really wanted. I got the nice house. I got the great business. And Jesus is going to offer to him something more than just success, significance, life and life more abundant. And he does that in a very interesting, comfortable way. One of the first things, he doesn't ask Peter to go to church, he comes to Peter. Secondly, of all the boats he could step into that day, I think he strategically stepped into Simon's boat. Because it says there were two boats he could have stepped into. He saw the boats and he got into one of them, the one that belonged to Simon. Now, he already knows Simon's family because he healed Simon's mother-in-law just a few weeks or maybe months before. And I think he's been watching Simon. And he wants Simon to have a chance to sit in the boat and just listen to what he's saying. No pressure, no sign on the dotted line. I'm going to be teaching some folks. Feel free to listen in. And now Peter is exploring, just sort of listening in. What is this whole Jesus movement about? This doesn't sound like the rabbis of the day. This doesn't sound like the religiosity I'm used to. Huh. Huh. I'm intrigued. It reminds me when I was in grad school, they talked about situational leadership. And situational leadership is about how you develop people. It's sort of a four-stage process. You're probably familiar with this if you uh, say this in grad school. The idea of directing, that's when you get a mentor, somebody new in your company, somebody new you're trying to mentor, and you say, I do, you watch. Here's our policies. Here's the reasons why we do it. Here's how you accomplish it. I do, you watch. Then you move to the next stage, which is coaching. We do together. 
And while we are doing it, let me tell you, watch out here, be careful that over there, or this person, you might want to talk a little bit this way. You're now coaching. Then it becomes supporting, which is you do, the person I'm mentoring, and, and I'm going to just encourage you. Hey, great job. If you get stuck, let me know. Sort of dial back in when you get to a place that's beyond your expertise. I'm just supporting you and your work. Then ultimately delegating, where you're like, go do it. And you send people off to do the work you coach them in. This leadership strategy has been around for 25 years. And this is exactly what Jesus did in the early days. This is his ministry 2,000 years ago. He'd say to people, come and see. You don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. Just come and see. Come check it out. Come investigate or explore. And then he'd say, do you want to come follow me? Do you want to be coached by me, discipled by me? Then let's do it together. And for three years, he'll do this with the disciples. Then he'll begin to send them off and say, hey, if you get stuck, come back. And they're like, we're stuck. Well, you've got to pray a little bit more and fasting for that one. And then ultimately, he delegates the work of this other-centered forgiveness movement to 12 people who changed the world and turned it upside down. And it all began by them, him encouraging them to know God. Not to know about God, but to know God personally. That was the hallmark of what he wants for all of us. The second horizon is that Jesus is always calling people to deeper waters. Look what he says to Peter. I want you to launch out. I want you to go to to deeper waters. Launch out. Put out a little bit farther out there. And one of the things that we are committed to is challenging Bible teaching. Because I think God is challenging all of us to go to deeper waters. I mean, are you the same person you were two years ago? Are you as bad or good as a listener now to your kids and parents as you were three years ago? Are you as sensitive to your spouse now as you were a decade ago? Are you as generous now as you were three years ago? Are you loving better now than you were four years ago? Or is God calling you to deeper waters? To deepen your faith, to deepen your your sense of purpose And at all kinds of levels. Are you deepening your intellectual level? Have you really thought about the big questions? Is this all there is? What really matters in life? Is Jesus really who he says he was? And if not, is there somebody else who is? Is God really, is there really can be a God who's both just and merciful? And how would those fit together? What about the problem of evil in the world? What are the answers out there for it? And which one is intellectually satisfying? What about emotionally? Have I learned how, am I learning how to go to deeper waters to handle my worry, my anger, my lust? Am I really putting a strategic plan together to invite God to give me wisdom in these areas? What about my will? Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why don't I do the things I know I should do? And when I'm out of resources, am I finding a resource in God for additional compassion or patience or strength? Or am I just sitting in the boat? And have I been sitting in the boat for a long time, getting complacent and coasting into crabbiness? Jesus will constantly challenge you to deeper waters. And he does that with Peter. He says, time to go out deeper. I know you've been fishing all night long. You didn't catch anything. Let's try it again. And look what happens here. Peter responds with, no thanks. I had a long night. I don't think I need to go out into deeper waters. We, professional fishermen, who have all the tricks, we've tried this for years, decades I've been fishing, we toiled all night and caught nothing. We will stick to the fishing. You stick to the preaching. But look at the next word he says. He says, nevertheless... 
Nevertheless, I'm going to trust you might know something I don't. That's why Christianity is ultimately about faith. I may not feel like going to deeper waters. I may not feel like becoming a, a better version of myself. But nevertheless, God, if you want me to develop, I'm going to have a nevertheless moment. When I memorized the script for last week's uh, drama, one of the things that was compelling to me was the speech that Jesus gives when he's talking to God in the garden. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus had a nevertheless moment that God called him into deeper waters of love and commitment and submission. Do you have a nevertheless moment when you're willing to say, God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to become more generous. I don't really want the benefits that come from the hard work of of becoming a better version of myself. But nevertheless, I'm going to step out into those waters. A lot of people at Horizon, one of the ways that I've seen people grow deeply is when they have a nevertheless moment related to serving. They don't really have time to serve, but they decide to step out. Go on one of our mission trips. We've got several happening in the next couple weeks down in Belize and Cancun. I'm scared. What's going on there? Never been on a trip before. Giving up a whole week of vacation for other people. And then they go down. And they find out they have received far more than they've given. They face their fear. God showed up. And they see God working. And whether it's orphans or building a soccer field. They invite friends together. I remember us building a soccer field, a bunch of buddies, like I think it was 40 of us that day. And that whole week we're shoveling and we built a soccer field that's been impacting uh, the kids and families down in Cancun now with back-to-back for the last, I think, five years. I remember going on a a team with a group of friends and and they go one week and then they come back the next year and invite their best friend to come with them. And we now have people like all live on the same uh, street together who go and serve together. And go into deeper waters together. And there is, I remember, I think in Belize, we built like a hundred houses now as a church. Like a hundred houses we built over the last 15 years. And I remember being there the year that we built a house for a, a young man with cerebral palsy. Incredible servant. This incredible guy. And this was the year we finally got to building his house. We put in a, a shower system that actually came from the wall, not just down, so he could actually bathe his whole body. Because he had trouble holding that, that shower head. And to see the smile on his face and the gratitude of us building this concrete block shed for him that's three rooms. And we all come back and we go, God, why is he more grateful and thankful for his shack, which is like a mansion in his culture, and I'm not even happy with all the upgrades I have in my life. And God begins to call us to deeper waters. So I don't know if God will call you to serve in a new way, to serve your spouse in a new way, your kids in a new way, to serve this community in a new way. But God is is always wooing us to deeper waters because he wants us to have a deeper understanding of God. And ultimately, even when we do stuff, it's because he wants us to know him. Look what happens with Peter. Peter is actually being encouraged by God to find a deeper connection with God. That's our third horizon. Third horizon is that he shows up, and when he does, he says, Master, he calls Jesus Master, which is like saying boss. Boss, got it. Just want to let you know, we've toiled all night. So again, a very respectful term. And many of us grew up religious. 
We grew up as Catholics or Presbyterians or, or Baptists or, or whatever, and we learned not to make God mad, but to respect God. We didn't necessarily know God, but we respected him. And when I say respect, I mean, God, I won't mess with your rules if you don't mess with my life kind of respect, right? Kind of going to the principal's office or going to the police. Yeah, it's good to have him in the, in the round, just I don't want to be in their office. And that's Peter's relationship with Jesus. I know about him, but he's the master. He's the one I revere. No, nah, not revere. I respect, but I don't have a relationship. And in this encounter, Jesus will come to him and say, Peter, I want you to try throwing the net in again. And he throws the net out. And he's been a commercial fisherman for 20 years probably at this point. At least 15. And he pulls in a catch after not catching anything that he has never seen before. He's got to call a couple of his buddies together. And they get multiple boats to try and pull in. And the hull of fish is starting to sink multiple boats that are pulling this in. And he is shell-shocked. So much so that he then turns to Jesus and says, depart from me, I am a, a, a wicked person. I am in the realm, I am in the presence of Lord. See how he calls him Lord? That's the Jewish name for God. Now, Peter is a Jewish young man. Judaism is the father of monotheism, the belief that there's one God, not many gods. For a Jewish man to declare that another human being is God is unheard of. But he's already seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. So he's had a personal impact of Jesus' ministry. He heard Jesus teach in the boat. And now he's seen a miracle like something he has never seen before. And he moves his relationship from master, the God I revere and respect, to the God I want a relationship with. And a recognition that I've got some things in my life that I'm sinful, I missed the mark on. And God says, yeah, but I want to have a relationship with you. I want to get close to you. And I want to be in a relationship with you. And that's the essence of the, the message of the Bible. Even though we don't deserve it, God wants to be in a relationship with us. And, and again, notice that Peter's journey is based on evidence. It wasn't like, well, I think this might be true. It was based on evidence. This is really happening Things he really saw. And it was a multi-eyewitness event. Remember Luke tells us that when he compiled this, this writing called the book of Luke, it was based on eyewitness evidence with Peter, with James, with John, with the people who were actually out there that day. So this is a multi-eyewitness event substantiating this miraculous work that happened when Simon, who we will eventually know as the apostle Peter, who will turn the whole world upside down, but it all began with him investigating the evidence. I think for many of us, it might be a year that we want to investigate God in a new way. Maybe we've got a God who's loving, but we can't imagine a God who's just. We've got a God who's just, but we can't imagine forgiving enemies. Or we're a worrier, so we've got no problem with God being just and loving, but we can't imagine he's actually in control of the world, and that's why we have to worry to be in control of the world. We kind of have a Build-A-Bear God. We stuff him full of whatever we want. We put in the voice box we want for him. He sounds like us. He talks like us. And the problem is that God will help for a little bit, but you made that God up. It's a Build-A-Bear God. Jesus wants to introduce you to a God that's outside of your imagination because he's real. 
And he's going to be more just than you think he should be. He's going to be more forgiving than you think he should be. He's going to be more sovereign than you think he should be. More compassionate than you think he should be. And that's going to deepen as you come face to face with the real God, not the Build-A-Bear God. That's really what our church has been about for the last 15, 20 years. How do we help people comfortably connect to the real God? And you might say, well, I don't think what you believe is the real God. That's fine too. Then how do we have you comfortably wrestle with that question? And God continues to do that in such powerful ways. I was writing my notes this week. Just in the last eight days, some of the ways God has used our church to help people connect with him. So eight days ago, we had a funeral here in this room on a Saturday morning for my friend Jim. Jim has been regularly attending our exploring service since CCD days, and he always sat here in the front row. And he passed away last week. We had over 400, 500 people fill this room, and Jim was always asking questions. When he first came to Horizon, Chad, I hear what you're saying. Can we grab lunch? I don't know if I believe that. I don't know how to believe that. It was amazing to see his spiritual journey. And at the funeral, his wife came up to several of us, including Anne, who was one of the original leadership team you heard from last week, and said, thank you so much for starting Horizon. What it did in our family's life, what it did in my husband's life, I'm not sure how we would have handled this without the faith that we got because of the environment church you began. That was eight days ago. I also wrote down that uh, I did this one-man drama last week, and one of my favorite people in the Bible, one of my favorite people here at Horizon, my friend Kenneth, passed away last year as well. And so his wife always sits here in the front row at our 850 service. And every time I do a one-man drama, he'd come up and say, "Oh, I love these," and he'd probably seen ten of them over the last 15 years. And so I came up to Jill last week and gave her a hug. And I said, man, every time I do one of these, I think of Kenneth. And you know, Kenneth came to Christ because a group of people invited him. He was a, a, um, a hairstylist, and, and he would do people's hair and argue with them about whatever they believed and tell them they were idiots. And, and there were a group of Christian people who were so patient with him and kind to him and invited him to come to our church. And he began his faith journey here and, and the best conversations we had. And when we had his funeral here this year. Last seven days, we had a, w- a women's event here on Thursday night. And as I was trying to leave the women's event, we had somebody who's been attending for several years who brought three of their friends and introduced me and said, it was so great to have a church that I feel comfortable inviting friends to. I'm heading out the door. I am get to that door right there. And, and somebody says, oh, can I, can I tell you, do you, do you remember dedicating uh, our children a few years ago? I said, oh, sure. So we're going to get into a startup Bible study. And this is my mom. And, and we're going to get into a Bible study together. A whole family attends. So that's just awesome. I'm heading out to the car to help my wife uh, pack up some stuff. And somebody else, hey, hey, before you go, do you remember me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember three years ago or two years ago, rather, you hooked me up with a mentor at the church? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then as I told the story, it actually did come back. That mentor has prayed with me and talked with me and helped me through a very difficult time in my life. And I have just strengthened because of that relationship. Like, that's just awesome. That was on Thursday. Then last week, after our 1110 service, I had uh, a tender showed up. So this is the first time I've ever been to church in my life. And I grew up with a family that was Catholic and... Uh, Jewish, a dad who was Jewish, a mom who was Catholic. Neither one practiced. I'm now married, and I, I told my wife I want to help our kids have a faith, and I have no idea what faith is. And until last week, when you did that drama, I had no idea that Judaism and Christianity even overlapped at all. 
So we walked out and gave him a copy of our Fast Track Bible. I got him a copy of the, the comic book Bible, which allows you to, to read through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation in comic book format with your kids. And he's going to start engaging with his kids in faith. And that's just the last eight days of things I've come across. It's just been amazing how as we've tried to follow Jesus' marketing plan, be about abundant life, care about other people, make other people the priority, how it's drawn people in. So my question to you is, what's your next horizon this year? Jesus will turn to Peter and say, don't be afraid when you face the unknown, thinking, hey, if I get too serious about faith, it's like checking your brain at the door, I'm going to be thought of crazy, I'm going to lose my edge. Whenever you face the unknown, there's going to be a challenge. There's going to be fear. But Jesus says, I want you to catch men, prioritize other people in your life. Take the same skills and passions you had for fishing, for business, and apply that to being other-centered in everything you do. Catch men. So maybe this is a year you want to figure out how to do that. Let me give you some ways that maybe this year you could expand your horizons. One, maybe you want to pick up our startup booklet. And just use this, maybe your first Bible study, where you just real easy read, some neat stories of business startups in here. Our team wrote this over the last six months. It's all original stuff. It's going to partner with what you're doing. Maybe it's the first time you engage personally in starting up your own kind of Bible study. Or maybe you want to get into a group with other people to ask those questions together. And so you can sign up as you go out today in one of our study groups. Sign up for a study group. Say, I want to study with other people. Maybe you've been coming to Horizon for a while, maybe two or three years and you've been enjoying our services because other people have been serving your kids or serving by putting stuff on screen and singing songs, maybe you're saying, this is the year I want to start serving other people. I want to put other people first, and I want to attend a service, and I want to serve at a service. I want to be a greeter. I want to make other kids feel comfortable. I want to laugh and, and, and learn how to run the PowerPoint of the pro presenter. Maybe this is the year you say, that's what the next step of other-centered looks for me. Maybe you want to serve, not just here at Horizon. You want to serve down at City Gospel. Go down with our teams once, uh, several times a month to, to help those who are down there or become a mentor down there. Maybe you want to build a Habitat home this year. Maybe you want to go to, to Happy Church and be, see what it's like to deliver those, those baskets and those, those blue bags and those presents that we have at the Giving Tree every year. Maybe this is the year that you want to, like we're sending a team in two weeks, you want to go on a global mission trip. You want to start planning your vacation for next year to go to Belize or to go to Cancun or work with back-to-back or Belize partners. Allow God to call you to deeper waters. Or maybe this is the year, and if you're a guest today, this is not for you, but maybe you've been coming for long enough that you're saying, I want to be part of giving financially to what goes on around here. I believe in the spiritual formation. I believe in the vision of a place that's drawing people into these kind of environments. And I want to give maybe a percentage of my income. I've never done that before prioritizing the churches as a way I give. Maybe this is the year you do that. Or maybe you've heard about the million dollars we're raising because we've run out of room to facilitate all the people God's brought to us. So we're trying to create another space in the building. Turner Construction's here this, this last week. They're trying to determine where do we put that space to hold about 150 more people. How do we create another tool to create you know, personal connection in our building? And maybe you say, I want to give to that. I want to give to the general fund or I want to give this year to the future growth fund. Whatever it is, I would just ask that this would be a year that you start new spiritual exploration to be part of the original startup Jesus had, to move into and engage with God that you don't want to come to next January and say, yep, same old, same old. God has made me, created me, called me to become a new person. 
to give you a sense of how that can work in somebody's life and how that's worked in this place specifically, I want to take you back in time. And we're going to leap back 20 years ago and hear the story of two friends of mine, Mike and Carol, and how God called them, like Peter, into some deeper waters. Let's watch. Well, my name is Mike Marker. I'm a businessman, a father, a husband, and we're part of the leadership team here at Horizon, and we were here from the very beginning. Or as Chad says, from the very, very, very beginning. So. And I'm Carol Marker. Um, Mike and I have been married now for 50 years, and we were part of the beginning team with the vision to start Horizon. Uh, this question posed to us of how did we get to Horizon goes way back. And uh, Carol and I were not churchgoers. Our kids were young, and uh, through a series of contacts with our very best friend, the best man at my wedding, uh, we develop an interest in uh, God and Jesus and the Bible. A couple came alongside of us and we met one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I met one-on-one -on -one with him and Carol with her. And all of a sudden, um, Christianity became alive. Christ became alive So, uh, and our lives started to change. A few years later, what had been modeled for us and the impact they had on our life uh, was something we wanted to do with other people. So. Uh, we engaged with uh, mostly people that didn't attend church. In fact, I think probably all of them didn't attend church right. and just kind of did the same thing with them. And one of the things along the way is we tried to get our friends, we developed great friendships, uh, to go to church. Well, I think they all tried it and none of them found a comfortable place to go to church. So along comes Crossroads. Uh, I'd heard about this church that was going to start in Hyde Park, which was going to appeal specifically to people that, for whatever reason or another, were not interested in church or interested in everything that went with it. So we decided, let's try Crossroads, and it worked. They felt comfortable there. They liked the style of the church. And so we decided that's where we should be. And of course, then these people that we brought, they became friends with each other. So uh, we just had a real little mini community there that was really nice and new friendships developed. And um, so a couple of years later, uh, Brian came to us and said, uh, there is a group within the Crossroads Church that has a vision, an idea to go start a church in Indian Hill or close by. And at first, when Brian presented this to us about being involved, uh, with starting a church, I was not real happy about doing that for two reasons. We had gotten all these younger people started at Crossroads and I didn't want to leave them. I enjoyed Crossroads. And then the other reason was I knew it would be a major time commitment. Didn't know that we had that to give. So uh, without a real commitment yet, uh, I started meeting with uh, uh, other couple or other men and we were designing the bylaws and articulating the mission of the church and, and in the middle of all this uh, we were invited to uh, a dinner and it wasn't just the founding uh, families of which we were part of but we kind of expanded it maybe one friendship out and there were I suspect 20-25 people at a dinner party uh, we talked about the church we had a great time of friendship and 
socializing, and it was it really seemed good. And I'll let Carol tell you what it felt like that night. Frankly, I went to that dinner that night thinking I will I'll go and I'll check it out, but I wasn't really ready to commit to helping start another church. But after that evening um, of being with people and seeing that they had the same vision that we had. They had the same heartbeat of helping people and having a church that would be comfortable for non-church people that had been turned off by church, frankly, finding a place to come to. And uh, at the end of the evening, there was a time of prayer, and I'd never been with a group of people that felt so comfortable to go ahead and pray together. And every single person in the room, man and woman, said prayer that night together. And when we left that home, I just looked at Mike and I said, how can we not do this? So um, what do you do to launch a church? Well, you'd have to get a lot of people up here to tell you about their part. But I'll just tell you a little bit about what our part uh, looked like from our vantage point. Uh, someone had the idea that, why don't we meet uh, once a week, a group of us, and let's pray. Seems like a great logical place to start, uh, uh, having God involved uh, before we do anything. And so uh, Carol and I and some other folks met uh, every week for, I don't know, we can't remember, it might have been a year or two, but uh, here's some of the things we prayed. First of all, we prayed for our friends. We prayed that uh, if... Uh, that they might be interested and that we whatever we whatever we produce there would be something that would uh, minister to families and to people and especially people that maybe had checked out on church a long time ago or never really explored the idea of faith in God and Christ uh, so we prayed for people by name one of the things we prayed for was for the churches in our area that they wouldn't look at us as a threat and in fact that people from those churches would not come and join us our first launch really was just uh, uh, us and some of our friends getting together at Indian Hill High School on Sunday morning and seeing what, what might church look like. And, uh, you know, we had a band, we had uh, teaching, we had uh, um, about, I can't remember people, maybe 50 people at times. But one of the things that uh, kind of got out and it was misinterpreted, we, people were, were starting to see, what is this group doing on Sunday morning? And uh, so, well... It's going to be a church like Crossroads, which is a seeker church. Now, we don't call ourselves that per se, but that came along, and that was misinterpreted as it passed through uh, people to see we were a secret church. <laughs> so uh, uh, it was not planned on our part, but it was very interesting, caused a little bit of, a, of conversation in the community. And uh, uh, so... We did that, and it was just great. You know, we said, gosh, this feels so good. We had the right team, uh, and we felt that uh, this is something we could go to the next step. So the next step was uh, let's find a place to meet that we can meet long-term, and that was uh, Cincinnati Country Day School. We were very privileged and pleased uh, that we could uh, rent that building on Sunday mornings. However, it wasn't ideal for church. It was a theater with steep steps, it was dark, uh, and uh, not only that, we had to pack away everything every every um, Sunday for the next Sunday, but it took a lot of, we had a team, and everybody pitched in, and it was quite an extraordinary experience to see everybody 
having the same vision, uh, contributing uh, financially, contributing uh, with their labor, and contributing by bringing uh, their valued friends to come and uh, be a part of us. Well, you know, that's really where our church started. We looked at what Jesus was doing, and we said, we want something like that happening in our area. And we get to see people, you know, improving their marriages, improving their life, improving their family, and we said, we want to create more space for, for people to have something just like that. So that's what we're about. And so whatever we can do to help you, assist you, come alongside you, we really are yours to explore. If you want to be part of that by serving, you can drop into our, our box, call us at the office. We'd love to connect with you on that. If you feel like you want to be part of uh, giving to the next phase, we've already raised about 20% toward that, that million-dollar uh, um, new part of the facility we want to do. Many of you had called last week or talked to me last week and said, I love the drama. Could I see it on video? No, no, sorry, we don't have a video system yet. So part of what we're hoping is that if you feel called to be part of that million-dollar fundraising, it's not only to create space for people, but you can watch services, you can send links to services, we can live stream our services eventually too. So that's our hope, to create new tools for the next five, ten years to help grow people spiritually. So thank you for being here today. We'll see you next week as we continue our series on startup. Thanks again.